How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. What's up, Catapulting Commissions family? Welcome back to this week's episode of Catapulting Commissions. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now, today's guest comes from a world-class background. To say the least, less than 1% of all athletes who play the game of football end up in the NFL. Our guest today is one of those. Jedediah Collins spent several years with multiple teams in the NFL, he is born and raised from uh, the Orange County area in San Juan Capistrano. During his time, he's always experienced massive growth. So during his time as a high school athlete, a collegiate athlete, and an NFL athlete, Jedediah Collins always found a way to come to that top 1%. He's a graduate of Washington State University. And during his time in the NFL, check this out, guys. He went from undrafted free agent to one of the top fullbacks in the game learning from multiple teams and multiple coaches along the way. During his time of studying, he became a certified financial planner, becoming an expert in personal finances. He has gone on to write, to write multiple books, including Your Money Vehicle, and is expecting his second book in the year 2021. He also writes articles for scout.com and ESPN.com. Jed has also been a keynote speaker, delivering keynote messages for Amazon, Microsoft, Sotheby's, GlaxoSmithKline, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and multiple universities. Today's show is going to talk about the commission portion of Catapulting Commissions. Jedediah Collins, welcome to the Catapulting Commission show. Anthony, brother, I appreciate the introduction. Uh, it's always humbling kind of just sitting and listening to that, uh, but obviously I'm very proud. And truly, I'm just excited to share my message with your community, and it really ties in well with, uh, with your listeners and your audience. Great, man. I'm glad to have you here, buddy. I think today's show, my audience, definitely, you guys are going to hear something that we often don't talk about in depth. We've all shared the stories of earning money, losing money. Catapulting Commissions, I mean, the name of the show is designed to teach you how to make more money. But the best way to make more money is to learn how to keep more money. So we're definitely going to dive into that with Jed. But let's talk a little bit, Jed. Can I, can I piggyback your brain for a little bit and talk about your time in the NFL? Oh, yeah. I love talking about it. I mean, if you can see behind me, football's, uh, it wasn't my first choice, but it is something that has defined my life. Wait a minute. Football wasn't your first choice? Oh, no, no, no. We're, uh, so I come from a basketball family. My, my father played at Seattle University back when they were top tier, drafted in the NBA, ABA. Both my brothers actually went and played Division One basketball. So growing up, that was our family game, going in the backyard and, and hooping. Oh, wow. Now, are you the younger brother, middle brother, older brother? I'm the baby. So I'm one of five uh, and the brothers are one year apart. So we're all very close. And so, yeah, I lost. That's part of my definition of, uh, in you know, being in sales, you understand how to deal with failure. One of the greatest lessons I learned was growing up in my backyard playing one-on-one -on -one with my brothers. My dad actually invented a game called King for a Day where the winning brother got to boss the other two around and give them orders. Um, and I lost all but, but two times. I vividly remember the two times I walked off the court as king for a day of the hundreds or thousands of times we played. So 
that was the beginning of my uh, my my lessons in mindset. That's I relate to you in so many aspects. I, I have a brother <laughs> who's three years older than me, and uh, he's six five, played basketball in college, but we grew up playing against each other. I was three years younger. I was always shorter and wider. And so when you're a kid, you know, he was able to bully me around. And then eventually somewhere in that transition phase from when I got muscular and he was tall and thin, you know, the game of one-on-one changed a little bit. It was more of a who can throw the best elbow at it. So I get that, man. Oh yeah. Both of my brothers have challenged me once, um, but that was all it took. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. I can see that. So let's talk about this. So you go from undrafted free agent to a career that spans multiple years. You mentioned earlier you started the mindset. So let's oh, start yeah. let's start the first few minutes on this show talking about that mindset. There's there's sales professionals out there that reach out to me and ask me to help coach them, ask me if I could recommend them to somebody and and my response may not be the answer they're looking for. It's always well let's talk about first why you're doing this. Let's talk about the mindset. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get that understanding first. So let me piggyback your brain here. What was that mindset like? You come out of Washington State, you don't get drafted, but yet you still get into the into the NFL. How did where did the the drive, desire? How many times did you contemplate just giving up on yourself? Let's talk about a little bit about what you learned from that experience from going undrafted to landing on a full team. So number one, I I, I love that you begin your questioning to people who reach out with why. You know, why are you on this journey? What is your principles? What are your goals? Um, and I believe every good journey begins with that end in mind. You know, a plan is only as good as its destination. So truly the the easiest skill to tell and the the the, the number one kind of skill of success that goes into sales, business, life, family, everything is your ability to value what you want most over what you want right now. That is something I found in every locker room amongst successful veterans was their ability to con- continually prioritize. They never sacrifice. Everybody says, oh, getting up early or putting in this workout or not going. They always prioritize their goals over what's in the moment. And I thought that was very, very key. But what I realized, so I, I got cut a dozen times. I got cut 12 times. And for anybody in sales, they understand that feeling. They know, you know, getting kicked in the stomach over and over and over. And sadly, you kind of get numb to it in professional world. When it's your dream, when it's your livelihood and your last chance at, at kind of chasing, the, the 12th time hurt just as much as the first one. Um, and so I, I experienced that going in and out of those locker rooms. But what I came to really understand and identify was every locker room I left, I had to steal from one of those veterans, one of those guys that had the formula, had the process, had something that kept them there that I wasn't doing. And as I went in and out, I saw three words in every locker room, really the only slogan, the only mindset that kind of was consistent throughout each team was three terms called be a pro. And I loved be a pro because it was a response. It was final and it became more than just a mantra. It became the way you thought and approached. And the be a pro mindset, and what I love about sharing this with professionals is it has three aspects, and it all has to do with your name. I challenge people in workshops to write down their name, and typically I want them to write down attributes that they want people to think when they see their name, but I wanna to circle to exactly what that means. So 
as I look at be a pro, when I write down my name, I look at my name, I have to be confident, not cocky. And that's the first identification is the difference between cockiness and confidence. Cockiness is an external voice. Cockiness is someone, the rookie who walks around and tells everybody who they are or what they're going to do or what they have done. Confidence is an internal voice. Confidence is the one that you repeat in your in silence in yourself and really telling the only person that matters. The second piece of the be a pro process is when other people that you are working with see your name, can they trust it? I loved, you know, playing in the NFL. I had my head coach at the time, Andy Reid, who's right now the Super Bowl reigning champion coach. He came up to me and he said, son, probably because I was an undrafted rookie and he didn't know my name, but he said, son, <laughs> we can't beat ourselves out there. I had just committed a, a false start, a penalty, you know, and as an undrafted guy, you cause a penalty, you, you run off the field, you don't even get that rep. But his message to me was, I, as the coach, the other coaches, the scouting department, your teammates, they have to trust who you're going to be each and every day. When they see Jedediah Collins show up, we got to trust who that person is. That's part of being a pro. There's a big book called Speed of Trust uh, by Stephen Cuffey, where he compares it to a trust tax or a trust dividend. Are you giving or are you taking in that relationship? And then the third part of the be a pro mindset is when people who don't know you see your name, do they see value or do you add something that makes them learn your name? Short little story about this one, because this is one of my favorite stories to share, is down in New Orleans. This was kind of make or break time for me. I was, I was competing once again to make the team. I'd already failed twice and I needed to make it this year or else probably my dream was going to be over. And in New Orleans in August, it's 118 degrees every day with heat and humidity. You feel the atmosphere. You feel yourself walking out. Your shoes start to squish even in warm-ups. And why we knew it was 118 degrees is because our collective bargaining agreement said if it was 119, we had to take practice indoors. It was actually unhealthy. And so each day on the dry erase board, our coaches would write, it's 118, go outside. Um, <laughs> so yeah, try, try to ask questions after that. Um, so we were out there and my first play was a simple little chip block on this big defensive event, pro bowl player veteran. And I run by him. I throw my elbow into his ribs. I run off to the flat. That was my responsibility. That was my play. Obviously this 10 year veteran pro bowl player didn't enjoy me giving him a chip block. He came and he grabbed me by the face mask and he laid a barrage of insults and obscenities, but he said something in the middle of it that I'll never forget. He said, I don't know you. I don't even know your name. In that moment, I could be the young cocky player. I could use my external voice and yell back at him. I could break the trust of practice and try to prove my bravado that way. Or I could walk back to the huddle and I can make a play and make him learn my name. Football God smiled down upon me. Next play had me and this 310 pound Pro Bowl player going head to head. And I went back in the day, had a little longer hair, put my face mask into his chest. And I knocked him on the ground. I walked up to him after the play and he held up his hand for me to help him up and I swiped his hand away and I pointed to my forehead. In training camp, you have a piece of tape with your last name on it. Without saying a word, I had made that veteran learn my name. Without saying a word, that night in film, every coach, every scout, every teammate was gonna point and say, did you see Collins on this play? That's our dude, that's our guy on defense. That's our veteran captain watch them do this. And in that moment, I became a pro. 
I started to feel and think like a pro. And that was the moment it shifted. And I started to realize my name, I had to make people learn, especially as an undrafted guy who'd been cut. I had to show value and make you say my name. Man, I love that. (laughs) As a football guy myself, I love that. You dropped so much value in there. I mean, I can just envision you coming back, delivering a hit to this guy, not swiping here, not shaking his hand, looking at my name. And, and you definitely, part of that pro mentality, value became in your name from multiple levels. I mean, if we go yes. back on the three things you said here, right? That, that approach of you rock my world while I'm not going to give up, that was a confident. That wasn't cockiness. You knew you had the ability. Then can others trust your name? I can guarantee when you laid that block out, your offensive coordinator, the people out on your side of the ball, they saw that they're like, yep, I can trust him. And the last part was, the defensive side of the ball was like, that's our guy. I see value in his name, and he came. And I love that. You you didn't speak to say, hey, I'm here. I've arrived. You allowed your actions to show that. And in the world of sales, mm. I, I tell people all the time, sales is the greatest profession out there. It's almost like a professional athlete in the aspect, you get paid to perform. If you yeah. don't perform, you get cut. Bottom line. That's, that's what sales is. And the better you perform, the higher you can make. And so I love how you didn't say, hey, man, I'm one of the best fullbacks or I have experience or I've done this. You simply said, okay, I'm going to take my lump and I'm going to come back and show value in your name. And I think that applies to people listening right now. You're going to have a bad month, a bad year, a bad sales call. Do you go back and say, hey, I've been in this industry for 10 years. I know what I'm doing. Or do you simply say, okay, That one wasn't mine. The next one is. And move forward and allow your results to speak for your action. I love that, man. Great story. I appreciate it. And and like you said, that in sales, we are consistently trying to have people see either my individual, our company name, our product name. What do they think of when they see that? And what I tell young professionals as they enter into it, and it goes the same for everybody in a business or corporation, when you are on a project, your name is associated with that. That is everything. That is your reputation. And you have to treat it as such. We would always say, once you put something on film, it lives there. You are going to be great. We appreciate you playing through that pain and getting hurt and going out. Once you're on tape, nobody cares about your shoulder, your knee, your whatever's hurting. They just care about the performance. So I love that connection and that that understanding of why I think football is one of the greatest sports is because everybody has that hunger and that taste for food. If you, if you don't make the team, you're on the streets one week, you just missed a big check. Uh, and sales is no different. hundred percent. I, I love that. I, and that's probably why, you know, fun fact, I love when I come across collegiate athletes or professional athletes that are trying to break into sales because they already have that adversity. Your your whole career is filled with adversity. Now, I want to piggyback on something, Jed. You said in the beginning of this, you said you stole something from every locker room you went to. Mm -hmm. And I love that because one of the things you mentioned was the top performing veterans, the top performing players, they were able to prioritize their goals over what was the in moments. Can Can we talk about that a little bit about that? 
what were you able to prioritize for your goals for you to keep fighting, right? You, you, we talked about the mindset, but I feel like when people prioritize goals, they don't ever talk about the other side of that, which is, you know, mm-hmm. as we, you and I both know, the sacrifice. So can you talk a little bit about that? So it, it's, a, it's a measurement of understanding opportunity cost. And this is a term that I use in finances all the time, but it's truly one that is uh, one of the most misunderstood def- definitions out there. I ask people what their opportunity cost is and they go and tell me what they chose or why they chose it and all these decisions that they've made, not measuring what you're actually giving up. That is the definition of opportunity cost is the value of what you did not choose. And so I remember, and it's a very silly example, but I was training with a a 12-year safety in Cleveland. And it was our first day of off season and we were walking off and I had been beating them in the wind sprints. I had a 260 pound fullback should not be beating a safety in, in our conditioning and walking off. I asked him, I said, I don't get it, man. Like this is the NFL. Like this, I, I should, I showed up ready today to make the team, to make things better. And he looked at me and he said, what'd you eat yesterday? Kind of threw me off. I was like, all right, I don't know. I'll play the game. You know, I had some chicken, some mashed potatoes. You know, I'd probably throw on some broccoli. And you know, I, I'm, I was getting ready. He said, I, I went by McDonald's. I had a Big Mac. Supersized it. It was delicious. I said, all right, I still don't know where we're going. Like, what's the point of this? He said, I won't have another Big Mac until February 5th, the day after the Super Bowl. I said, wow. He said, yep, I want it. I know I want it. In the moment, I would choose that. But from this day, first day of offseason till the Super Bowl, every decision I make is going to be with my eye on the prize. With everything I have, I'm going to prioritize and value my most, which is the Super Bowl as a teammate and as an individual. And so that ability, and he said, I, it's not that I don't want Big Macs next week. He said, I just understand it's not even a sacrifice. It's not even a thought for me because it's going to, it's going to take me away from that prize. And so that measurement to me was always looking at my day. What did I do with my morning? What did I do with this week? Not just what did I do, but what did I not do? And that is the opportunity cost. And so as we start to measure these things, we want to build a strategy, build a process, build a routine but it all begins with planting a yardstick in the future for salespeople. Here is my number. This is my most for this year. How am I going to get there? That's a different conversation. I got to know what that is. So each day when I do make my decisions, I know which direction I'm headed. And that was truly, uh, as I looked at the guys who were able to continually arrive at success, it was because they always understood that measurement. I, man, I love that. I love that in so many ways. One, as a salesperson, I, I look at that opportunity cost when people don't take their craft as serious as they should. You're not studying your playbook, for lack of better words. You're not studying your product. You're not studying your competitors. You're not studying your prospects. You're not committing that time. And you're finding time, you know, it may not be Big Macs, but it may be social media. <laughs> it it yes. may be mindless searching on Amazon. It, it may be, yep. you know, reading TMZ or Googling on Yahoo or and that doesn't even work together. Googling or Yahoo against their competitors. <laughs> However, right. It's one of those things. You but, need to quote that. That's awesome. Googling on <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> 
Uh, we're going to make that one. We're going to make yeah. that one a stick. And, and then, you know, the salespreneur or the entrepreneur, right? I have salespreneurs mm-hmm. who listen to this show who are commission only. And it's funny you said that, you know, two, yesterday, actually. So yesterday, right? We're recording this show here in mid-September. It's going to come out in November. Hopefully things have, you know, are, not hopefully. I know things are going to change. But we were looking at one of the businesses that my wife and I run. And it wasn't hitting the profit metrics that we wanted to. And it was, it was starting to, you know, cost more money. Um, and we looked at it and we said, okay, is this something that we're prepared to abandon? Is this something we haven't been doing? And my wife and I, we looked down and we said, okay, where are we, where are we missing the boat here? And we both agreed at the same time. It was, it was, you know, probably why we were married. We were like, our priorities are out of sync. Mm. We realized the night before you know, we both had a long day and we were like, you know, we're going to just veg and watch TV. And I'm like, you know, when we started this, we always said we were going to put together some time, you know, on a weekly basis to do a business meeting for each business. And we were also going to dedicate time. If our business wasn't hitting metrics, we were going to, our sacrifice wasn't going to be time with the family. Our sacrifice was going to be the one hour or two hours we like to watch yes. TV when we're home. Yep. And it was this, it was this the same we have to give up something in order to get something. So I love that you share that coming from a professional athletic standpoint. Oh yeah. And you get in, I, I, you take these, and this is what is the coolest part is I have this rookie to veteran kind of process that again, it is all built around stealing success and eliminating potential. Potential is a word that I just truly despise. And people say it at first and you, you're like, oh, these guys complimenting me until you come to realize they're actually insulting you. you. You have all the ingredients, you don't have the recipe and you definitely don't have the final product. So I, I looked at stealing those success and it, it really allows you to make those decisions because you take a concept I saw in a locker room or on a football field and you start to put it into your business or your relationship with your spouse or your friends or whoever, that is a principle. That is something that can span all aspects of my life. So no, I I really appreciate seeing that, realizing it and being able to, to act upon it. And this is something that Again, looking at that opportunity cost measurement, you look at it from a financial perspective and it's like, hey, I can spend these dollars, which maybe is something I want to do. But if I spend them, that means I cannot save them and I can definitely not invest them. And so when I start to measure out my decision process that way, it becomes much more clear. I even look at my calendar nowadays and I say, I understand this could be a great networking call. But if I say yes to that, I'm saying no to Jed going through emails or Jed being creative and getting in time or Jed doing something else. That is the understanding of, does this meeting get me closer to what my most is? That is why I have to have that measurable. I, I, I love that. And applying that in everything you do in business is something that everyone has to master. There's no matter how experienced or, or how dialed in you have, there's going to be a time you have to have a gut check with yourself and saying, sure. Hey, Am I truly maximizing my opportunity cost? Am I truly trying to give everything I have to this goal? Now, now let's, let's pivot here for a second, Jed. We here are going to talk a little bit about the money uh, component of sales. Mm-hmm. And you as a financial planner and, and having the experience you have, having the income you've experienced and, and working with the clients you have, you've created this this process in, in this program called your money vehicle. And I shared a story with you before we started, you know, before we started recording and, and some of my audience will recall it, you know, 
I my very first six figure commission check was great. Although I didn't have the fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars in expenses, I found a way to spend the money. And it wasn't the first time I found a way to spend a lot of money. I have yeah. some great stories, but I don't have nothing to show for it. So as I've as I've gone back, I've I've looked back, and, and the number one mistake I wish I would have uh, corrected years ago that I have in check now is my money management habits. Mm-hmm. So to hear someone come and say they have a program, there's people listening right now that are earning the highest amount of income they've ever earned that are going to need to hear this message right now. So let's talk about what is exactly your money vehicle. So money vehicle is the definition of how the financial industry has changed over the last 30 years. Our parents and our parents' parents began their careers with a simple plan. Go get a great job at a good company and sit there for 30, 40 years and you get to ride off into the sunset at full retirement age of 65 with a pension. Not only that, they also had a government system called social security. I don't believe any of us are going to depend on pensions or social security for our quote unquote retirement, which is why I think the word retirement needs to be retired. I look at the world today and I say, you are no longer sitting in that kind of vehicle. You have to sit in the driver's seat of your money vehicle, not Anthony's, not Jed's, your money vehicle. And it changes your view on what money is. For too long, we've seen money as a destination, as the noun. I want to go to work and make a million dollars. That's not the goal. Money is a tool. Money is a verb. Money is the vehicle that is going to take you to a destination. So a game I get to play, and I actually played this with a a neighbor whose company just IPO'd and they ended up with more money than they ever could imagine. Well, what do you do? What are you going to do next week? What are you going to do in a year? Who do you want to impact? What do you want to live? Where do you want to live? All of those things define the, the reality of your plan. Money is just the system that is going to bring you to that. So why we really want to emphasize is it's the first mindset shift around how we view and see money. I also love that you mentioned money management. Along with retirement, I think the word budget needs to be replaced. Too much negative connotation. Budget is a limiting mindset. Budget controls me. I want to set up a cash management system because I control that. That is the abundance mindset. And so what we did was create a very simple, high-level strategy that will give you a cash management system. It's called the money bucket system. And I believe there are five choices everybody in the world will make with every paycheck that they get. Their first dollar, their last dollar is going to fall into one of these five buckets. And it doesn't matter if you're Jeff Bezos or starting tomorrow at a coffee shop. That is what's so powerful. I came about learning this the same way you did, Anthony. I failed. I was financially illiterate. My first paycheck, I spent the day I got it in the NFL. Full disclosure, I bought an engagement ring. It's a very cute story. My wife and I are still married after 10 years, so it was a good investment. But to this day, I tell her that was a very poor financial decision. My relationship with money was wrong. And so I look now at every paycheck that comes in and I say, here is my system. It's going to fall into one of these five. Society, past, present, future, and compassion. So I look at society, I realize that's the world we live in. That's going to be our taxes. That's something that we should and have to pay. Past choices, that's anything due before the first of the month. Debts, bills, subscriptions. I look at my present choices. Those are the day-to-day thousand things that go through my mind. 
my future choice. If I ever want to have FU money, I got to prioritize future you. And I tell this to a 22-year-old rookie in the NFL. I tell this to a 34-year-old crushing sales. I tell this to 55-year-old CEOs. If you don't care about future you, who does? No longer is there a system, a pension. No longer is there a government, a social security that is going to take care of that person. So an NFL player, I say 30% to 30-year-old you. For the rest of people, I say 10%. I made a dollar, I saved a dime. That goes to future me. Then the last one is compassion. And it's interesting because science is actually telling us that is leading to the most fulfillment and the most long-term happiness is in that compassion bucket. Who or what or how can I impact others? That's a person that has helped me. That's a place or an institution that has supported me. That's a cause that I believe in that I want to see my hard-earned money go to supporting. And so what's really neat about using this system is you can automate it and have all of these choices already built in. And so you aren't making these daily, ah, where's everything going? I would start with future you, prioritize you, pay yourself first, made a dollar, saved a dime. Then you pay society, then you pay your past choices, then you pay them that compassion and don't pay too much into the compassion at first. I, I love saying, give me a penny for your thoughts, 1%. And then what's great is what lands in your checking account and what you get to go spend on a day-to-day, you don't have to feel guilty. All your other choices have been taken care of. And it's a really smooth way to automate a cash management system that is really going to empower you to own your future. Man, speaking on that, automation is Mm. what we love in, in productivity. In the world of sales, we love automation. And to hear you take that automation to your finances... That is so, such a powerful tool that after the initial setup, I imagine having automation is as simple as everything else that's automated. You don't think about it. And I find that, you know, you, you describe this money vehicle in five, five components. And I look and I think about my own personal finances and my own personal growth. And definitely, I have, I have learned to invest in future me. Compassion, you know, that there's always something there and we've done that. Society is always going to exist. But where, where I have learned that salespeople fail or fall victim to, and, and, and I would even say that some professional athletes would fall victim, is they make their present purchases, their day-to-day purchases become past habits. They go and finance something because it's important today but in a year from now, it's no longer important, but the payment is still there. And so I look at some of the things that have, that have crippled me in this pursuit of catapulting my commissions. And it's always been past debts, past bills, things that are no longer of value to me today. But for some reason, you know, I wanted to buy the $10,000 watch or I wanted to buy something that I no longer want today, but I'm still paying for it. And it's interesting because I 100% agree with you, especially when you have those big waves of income for a professional athlete, for a top-tier salesperson. Those, it is very hard to see it through a lens, which is why you need a system. It's also really interesting because, and you can go based on age or, or demographic, Gen Z, millennial, whatever, younger populations have fallen victim to renting and not owning they are bleeding through subscriptions. And everybody says, you know, charge $2 or $5 a month. Trust me, teens and 20-year-olds, they'll forget about it. And they have hundreds, 
of dollars each month just kind of trickling out that are spent before the month begins that as you said, like half of them, they still don't, they don't they're not using. Um, and so that is actually one of the biggest crisis I see for younger populations is go ahead and review your past choices. Can you, do you have to pay your rent? Yes. Do you have to pay your insurance? Yes. Do you have to pay those 12 subscriptions for $9.99 that you have? I don't know. That, that, that's something we can talk about. I love that. And yeah, the subscriptions is funny. I, I go through about like once a year, I'll go through and I'll look at what I've subscribed and what's being pulled from my checking account, my credit card, my iTunes account. And there's certain things I'm like, I don't even know what this is anymore. I don't remember that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm canceling this. Right. And then for, for parents out there, if you have children who are on your iTunes account, I mean, that's, those are like the biggest hawks. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm sure I should own stock in Roblox today. So yeah. Uh, or like uh, Xbox, you can buy crazy oh, yes. stuff through video games these days. And so, yeah, I think young people definitely have to watch, watch out for that. I, I, I know for, for me, I have, taken some people uh, in either early mid twenties and, and truly have put them in positions where they're making, you know, six figures, you know, 200, 300, $400,000 a year. And my very first conversation when they get their first commission check is, Hey, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. What did you save? And who do we need to introduce you to? Like how, how do you, how, what's your plan to manage your money? And, and it's, it's funny to hear their response versus your response because their response is kind of what you said. It's, it's a limiting belief. It's a budget. It's, it's, you know, I would say that, you know, they're, they're penny. I'm going to mix up the analogy here. You know, they're, they're trying to save pennies for a future that's going to cost billions. And you, you, what, what are your goals? And you know, the argument is, Oh, I'm going to rent this lavish apartment on the West side of Los Angeles, looking at the beach because I don't want to save money for the next two or three years so I can buy my own home because I, you know, it's just, it's such a backwards mindset. So I I hear that in your money vehicle. So how do you exactly, so you put this automation system, is this something that people come to you? How does someone access and learn how to create this automation? So it's, it's great. One, I mean, a lot of my content material that we put out is around how our mission statement aligns with people is we want to empower you to use money. So that is the basis of all of our offerings. If it's rookie to veteran, it's the mindset, it's behaviors. If it's money vehicles, more financially focused, but it's the idea of to use USE, understand, strategize, and be efficient with. So the first book, Your Money Vehicle, is the foundation. It is not the end of the journey. You're not going to read this and have hot stock tips or have everything in place. But this is the first 10 steps and 10 questions on a financial journey. How you kind of elevate from that, those are the workshops I create. We are also building level two, but the idea that you can take a book, you can, I have a virtual course now, an online course that is directed towards a younger audience, but a lot of people have gone through it and in their 30s have come out and said, you know, I, I took a lot away from this. I'm going to go set up X, Y, and Z and I'm going to go use, use it. Um, and so that is what I challenge people to do is say, definitely start to look at where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel anxious. Money is such an interesting aspect in all of our lives that we have to begin to identify where does my journey begin? How, I, how can I identify what my money script is or what my upbringing, what my past, what my history has really allowed me to see money through a lens? We're going to change it. We're going to improve it going forward. But that is where our process begins. So um, definitely 
taking the course, getting the book will get you on the right journey and get you on the right steps. Um, and this is what I teach, you know, to, to corporations all the time is what are, what are the focal points and how do I get my systems and everything in place? I love that. And we will definitely include links, uh, multiple links for Jed Collins and the Your Money Vehicle in the show notes. Be sure to click those show notes um, and you'll get some more description there. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. Now, Jed, as this program comes up and people take this program, Your Money Vehicle, we're learning to manage and, and and um, strategize money or, or learn how to use money. There mm-hmm. I use the use. <laughs> I think of the sales manager that's listening to this call right now, that if you have a salesperson on your team that doesn't understand money, doesn't know how to finance or doesn't know how to create a money management plan, eventually they become a liability and no longer yeah. an asset for your team because now they're, they're chasing dollars to pay off previous debts. And so you start losing, right? Salespeople have a, have a high turnover rate, 34% turnover within their first two years of the job. Millennials within their first two years, 51% of them are interviewing somewhere else because they want to create more money, create more wealth. And a lot of times the answer as a sales manager or, or an owner of, a, uh, owner of an organization is to say, I'm going to teach my team a sales management system. And that's what I'm assuming you do with some of your corporate clients. Oh, yeah. And so I believe financial wellness is going to be one of the corporate offerings that must be had and offered in our society, in, in companies going forward. I think the, the pandemic, the coronavirus uh, gave us a, a, a shocking awakening to a lot of things. I think financial literacy, financial education and empowerment is going to be one of the silver linings of this, this, this time. And so as you look at companies, you're absolutely right. When does somebody turn from an asset to a liability is when their productivity changes, where there are shifts of anxiety and, and kind of confusion around their money. And so that's, that's what we and, you know, I think a lot of people are going to start to look at is, I'm no longer your advisor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not going to manage your assets. I'm not going to ask you for your assets. I'm not even trying to sell you a product. I am your coach. I am somebody who's going to teach you how to make your life better. And that's what the workshop atmosphere is. I don't want to give you, and we've talked about a lot of stuff in our session today, and that's what podcasting is beautiful at. But in a, in a session, we talk about one subject. Because if we talk for 45 minutes, I want you to go do one thing. That's the difference between education and empowerment. Empowerment means I gave you the confidence to go and act. And I think education is a vital step, but education fails. And that's why a lot of people have kind of 
faltered back from financial literacy or education because it doesn't work. It's because we haven't given people a a step-by-step specialized knowledge way of accomplishing what they want to accomplish. And that's what Your Money Vehicle tries to do is it's not just generalized knowledge, it's specialized into a system, it's specialized into steps. And that's really what we want to do. Being in wealth management, being a CFP, I'm actually an adjunct professor now at Washington State. I come to see many, many wealthy people's plans, but I want to back into not where they are today and the complexities. I want to see where they began and how they inched forward. And it's it's really crazy how many of the first 10, 20, 30 issues and steps that they took are all similar. And so all I want to do is take those 30 steps and give them to the masses. Love that, man. I think hearing the word coach, not advisor, and, and you said empowerment over, you know, not just education. It's I, I take that as application. You're going to teach me how to apply what we've just discussed because uh, let's be honest. Po- if you listen to enough podcasts and you listen to enough YouTube videos and you follow enough people, you can learn a whole bunch of stuff. But oh, yeah. to truly apply it and, and be efficient at applying it, that's where the benefit comes in bringing a coach like Jed Collins in your corner to help your financial financial plan and your, and your uh, strategic money management process you have in place. So, Jed, dude, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, man. But before, before I go, I want to say a few things here, man. I think the value you provided to the Catapulting Commission audience today is one of the best shows we've had. I look, oh. at, I look at the money management portion of what we do as the unwritten area. Nobody wants to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm guilty of this. You know, I manage a sales team. I sit and say, hey, we need to hit $30 million this quarter, whatever the number is, right? And you, you hammer that number and you try to drive that number. And a lot of times, if you just sit back and say, you know, you go to someone's personal financial strategy and you don't, they'll have a goal. And where, where are you at in your personal financial strategy? Typically, sales is just a vehicle to move that strategy in the right place. And to hear you talk about having that strategy dialed in with automation, thinking like a pro, having five steps. I, I love it, man. So how does... Oh, oh, I have one question we just have to ask because I'm a sports buff and I know I have tons. Uh. Fun fact, who did you hit the hardest and who hit you the hardest? Oh, man. Um, so I jokingly, and I I got very kind of emotional as a fullback because I, you know, I just gated my own head. I could probably name most stadiums from my, from my back um, <laughs> because if you're out there and you're doing it long enough, you're going to get, you're going to get got. Um, I would say who got me the the best, and this is going to be, you know, I, I went against a lot of linebackers. Uh, a guy named Cam Chancellor for the Seattle Seahawks, he was the one guy I walked up to after a game. So I'd always stare at my opponent. I would say, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm smarter than you. Or I'm just tougher than you. And I'd run through that list, and I'd find where I'm going to beat you. And Cam was the one guy that I, I walked over after the game. I was like, dude, you're just a beast, man. Like, and I played him a couple times and we had great collisions. And I, I, I remember them vividly because I, I work with the Seahawks teams now and I've been in the rooms and they've been like, Hey, can we bring up a clip real quick? And it's just Cam blowing me up. So it's like, all right. Yeah. Okay. So once you, <laughs> once you put it on film, it's out there. Um, I also got to hit a guy named Holoti Nada who played at Oregon and then played for the Ravens and some other teams. And he's about a 350 pound monster of a human being. Um, And whoever draws up the play for the fullback to go hit the nose, uh, it's actually called a bong play. 
back on nose guard. I hate that person because it was literally like, hey, Mighty Mouse, and I'm a big dude. I'm 260 pounds of, of anger. But when you run into an immovable object, it was just one of those funny things. So, you know, I had some, those were guys who, who made, who humbled me. I had some great hits in some, you know, I got to big names like Patrick Willis. I got to knock Brian Erlacher on his back, like who was kind of like a childhood. I was a middle linebacker in high school. So I became the, as you mentioned, I became the number one ranked fullback in the game. And I could go and do the job and, and truly the bigger name guys started to, if not fear me, not want to mess with me because they wanted to tackle the guy behind me. Um, but it, it is always a, a realization of if you're on that field, there's somebody that's going to humble you sooner or later. I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that story, dude. And absolutely, someone's going to humble you on the field. Salespeople, you are going to get humbled in your sales career. Don't think you're immune. Jed, how does someone find you? How does someone get a hold of you? So I'm on all social medias under fullback of finance. I've changed my, my taglines. People say develop a personal brand. That is my brand going forward. So fullback of finance on Twitter, Instagram, even on TikTok, LinkedIn, man, LinkedIn is, you know, how we're connecting with professionals today. Check me out on LinkedIn, Jedediah Collins. I also have a website, JedediahCollins.com. So uh, if you want to take a financial literacy test, if you want access to me, the course, or workshops for your team, both from money or mindset perspectives, definitely reach out, brother. But Anthony, I love what you're doing. I love the approach you're taking and the message you are truly empowering people with. So thank you for the opportunity. Jed, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate the kind words. Catapulting Commissions family, the fullback of finance, Jedediah Collins. I'll have all his links in the show notes. As always, if you've learned something today, grab some value. Be sure to click subscribe, leave comments if you're seeing this on the social profile, but at the bare minimum, go follow Jedediah Collins. Learn to manage your money so you can catapult your commissions to the future. Jed, thanks again. Catapulting Commissions family, I will see you next week. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.